Welcome in to Outkick the Show, Tuesday edition of the program. I am reacting, as I will be, every single Tuesday, all NFL season long, I will be reacting to the NFL games that have taken place right off the top. But we got a lot to dive into today. Uh, Trump is now the gambling market favorite to be elected president of the United States. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, I got many takes. Uh, And uh, Joe Biden can't walk, uh, so they've changed the stairs to Air Force One and the shoes that he is wearing, and he's doing physical therapy to learn how to walk better. Uh, And college football ratings are soaring, uh, despite the fact that idiots like Skip Bayless are claiming that Dan Lanning is racist. Uh, But I come back to the NFL reactions. Let's begin here. Uh, And... I start with this. 49ers, it feels like a long time ago now. 49ers beat the Giants on Thursday night football. 49ers are the best team in the NFL. In the, in the sorry, the NFC. I don't think there's any dispute the 49ers are the best team in the NFC. As long as Brock Purdy stays healthy and continues to play at an elite level, 49ers are, I think, the best team top to bottom in the entire NFC. All right? Uh, Giants, not very good. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on that. Ravens. It's a bad loss. Bad loss for the Ravens against the Colts. Credit to the Colts. Gardner Minshew comes in for an injured Anthony Richardson, wins on the road against Lamar Jackson and company. So questionable officiating down the stretch. Big pass interference call was missed in overtime, in my always humble opinion. Uh, But the Colts, and also you had uh, Justin Tucker leave a 60-plus yard field goal short. But in general, uh, I think the Colts have to be ecstatic to be sitting at 2-1. and Let me just say this for a minute. Congratulations to the Browns. Miles Garrett's unblockable. Uh, That defense under Jim Schwartz is incredibly good. I like Jim Schwartz. I think he's a fantastic defensive coordinator. The Titans put up under 100 yards of offense. That should be impossible in the NFL. The Titans are paying their offensive side of the ball like $100 million plus. I don't even know what the total is and they can't get 100 yards of offense. It's the worst offensive production in 49 years uh, of Titans football. I don't know if I can watch. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals are coming to town on Sunday, and I'm not even kidding with you. I don't even know if I want to drive to the stadium and watch this game. I probably am going to end up doing it because my boys are going to want to go, my kids. I don't want to go. Because I feel like Joe Burrow and the Bengals are 100% going to beat the Titans. And I'm still mad over the Bengals beating the Titans in uh, in the game, uh, uh, the playoffs, which I'll never forget, the divisional round playoff game where uh, Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. I don't even know if the Titans will be in the AFC uh, divisional round, uh, be the number one overall seed in the AFC for the rest of my life. I'm not even kidding. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever be in that position again. I just I don't even want to go with be reminded of it by watching the Bengals beat the Titans again. So I'm not even sure what I'm going to do. Uh, but the Broncos have a good uh, sorry the Browns have a good defense. I Bronco fans, you have a storied successful history. You've won a bunch of Super Bowls. What is it? Three Super Bowls, two with Elway and one with Peyton Manning. I think it's three total Super Bowls. Your team is broken. You give up 70 points in an NFL game 
and they take it easy on you, over 700 total yards, 70 points, you should get relegated. Like You shouldn't even be able to play in the NFL for the rest of the year if you give up 70 points. They should be like, okay, we're going we're gonna to go pick the best college team or the best semi-pro team. They get to take the Broncos spot for the rest of the year. You gave up 70 points. You are now relegated. You are done. 0-3, uh, and I know the Bears are 0-3, and, and the Bears are somehow 0-13, and don't worry, Chicago, I'm going to get to you. You are sitting and you give up 70 points. You, sh- you should not be able to play the rest of the season in the NFL. You should just be like, we're out. Yeah, this is over. We're not going to show up the next 14. We forfeit. Season's over. Dolphins are really good. Tua right now is the head uh, of the MVP list. Remember last year, all the woke people were like, I don't know if Tua can ever play in the NFL again. His head got hurt. What are we doing in this sport? That's the voice of the woke. And now Tua's the leader in the MVP. Went like 16 for 16. They put up 70 points without even having Jalen Waddell. Nobody can cover Tyreek Hill. Raheem Mostert ran for 746 yards by himself. I, I... I'm really intrigued to see what happens for the Dolphins going forward. Is it finally the case that people in Dolphins uh, Stadium can stop wearing Dan Marino jerseys because they finally have had a decent quarterback for the first time since like 1993 when Dan Marino retired? It's a good question. Dolphins are really good. Fun to watch too. Patriots beat the Jets. I had the under in this game. I watched it. This is a brutal game to watch. Remember when people tried to argue that the Patriots are going to be fine without Tom Brady? The Patriots went right back to being the Patriots as soon as Tom Brady left. Here's the Patriots' trajectory as a franchise. Suck, 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 Brady. Suck, 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 suck. That's it. Tom Brady was so good that he not only changed the entire history of the New England Patriots franchise from always sucking and being losers to being the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL, they're right back to sucking. And honestly, Bill Belichick should have retired. Because if Bill Belichick had retired, the Patriots would suck, and everybody would at least sit around and say, well, what percentage of the Patriots sucking? It's not just that Brady left, it's also that they lost Belichick. What you're seeing is, Belichick might just be an average NFL coach who happened to have the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And otherwise, he's like a 500 coach. And congratulations, you got lucky Tom Brady was your quarterback for 20 years or whatever the heck it was. But otherwise, you're just an average coach. It just brings home again, the quarterback in the NFL matters way more than the head coach does. The Jets are a disaster. Uh, Patriots finally got a win. Bills, back to being good. They blew it against the Jets. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. The Bills blew a big lead. But the last two weeks, Josh Allen has been playing at an elite level. The Commanders got absolutely wiped out. Uh, Lions, 2-1. and one. Defense played really well. Disappointing week two loss. But I think if you're a Lions fan, you're looking around at the rest of the NFC North, and you're saying, okay, it's us or the Packers. Bears are a disaster. We'll get to them. 
I don't think the Vikings are a bad team. They could be 3-0. and Instead, they're 0-3. Um, but you have to be feeling pretty good if you're the Lions about making the playoffs. Packers, you're down 17-0. Derek Carr gets hurt. You found a way to win. Of course, I had the Packers minus one and a half, and they win by one. Uh, but Packers, Jordan Love, has made some really good plays. Um, touchdown pass. I think it was a t- touchdown pass. Not a, It might have been a two-point conversion pass. I think it was two-point conversion. Um, Jordan Love made a throw where I was watching it live, and I said, wow. The way he, and you guys may remember this play, he was starting to run to his right, and he had a receiver open on his left, and he threw across his body, and it was an absolute laser, and the DB couldn't even react to it. Boom. I think it was for the first two-point conversion to make it 17-11. to Uh, I think that was the play, uh, if you remember it. And I thought to myself, there's not very many NFL quarterbacks who could make that throw. So I don't think it's possible. If the Packers go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love is also a top 10 quarterback, that's just unfair. You, You shouldn't be able to go three for three, handing it off every time to another elite playmaker when... There are tons of franchises out there that can't find a quarterback for 20-plus years. Texans, the fullback returned a touchdown, a kickoff for a touchdown. If you wondered what kind of performance the Jags put forward, they allowed a fullback to return a kick for a touchdown. Texans had not had a win. C.J. Stroud, only one of the top five quarterbacks who was playing, and Texans get a monster win against the Jags. Jags, not good, right? Supposed to be taking a big step. You made the playoffs. You won a game. You came back against the Chargers. All those things, not a good performance. You lost to the Texans, uh, and you're sitting at one and two uh, with two straight losses. Chargers got the win. This This was tough. I had the over 53 and a half, and I had the Vikings minus one and a half in the game against the, the Chargers. Chargers score, there's like seven minutes left to make it 28-24. That adds up to 52. Vikings drive all the way back down to the field, get stopped, fourth and goal from like the three, aren't able to convert. Vikings get a stop, come all the way back down to first and goal, get stopped again. They don't get the touchdown for the cover. They don't hit the over. That swung us from five and three if that touchdown happens to three and five. That was frustrating. I'm not going to lie. Um, Vikings 0 and three. They could be three and 0, but they lost them all. Interception in the end zone may have saved Staley's job. Obviously, you've got an incredible stud quarterback in Justin Herbert. But the Chargers typically just find ways to lose, like they did the week before against my Titans. Seahawks, everybody just thinks they're going to suck, and they keep finding ways to win. Um, solid win for the Seahawks. I think that got them to 2-1. and one. Cardinals, congratulations to my guy, Josh Dobbs. Um, I love Josh Dobbs. Love what he did at the University of Tennessee, but I think this story is actually being underplayed. Drafted in 2017, plays on six different teams, doesn't get a chance to start an NFL game 
until the final game of the season last year for the Tennessee Titans. Loses a tough, basically, playoff game against the Jags in Jacksonville. Then jumps around a couple of different teams. The Titans don't sign him. I think he was on Cleveland. Cleveland lets him go. He ends up the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and he's playing really, really well. They should have won last week. They had a big lead against the Giants. They gave it up in the second half and lost. First career win. Six years, basically, after he's drafted. Josh Dobbs plays fantastically well, beats the Cowboys. 12.5-point underdog. This is one we got right. The Cardinals win by 12. Congratulations to Josh Dobbs on his first career win. Chiefs smoke the Bears. And the Bears were so bad that almost nobody's even talking about the Bears. They're talking about Taylor Swift being at the game more than they're talking about the fact that the Bears have now lost 13 straight NFL games. Shouldn't be possible. Should not be possible for an NFL team to be so bad that you lose 13 straight games. Everybody wanted to say that Justin Fields was going to be great. They started running the ball with him last year. He had a little blip of success. The Bears' defensive coordinator quit for mental health reasons. There's all these rumors about reasons that he might have quit as well. And then Justin Fields is a mess. I said earlier that the Broncos should just quit for the rest of the season. The Bears should just quit. They should tank for the rest of the year and guarantee themselves Caleb Williams for uh, May. They should basically say, we're going to get one of the two top quarterbacks. Justin Fields is not the answer. I'm not sure any of the coaching staff is the answer. They just need to bear, to, uh, to, to bear down. They need to burn down uh, everything associated with this franchise right now in Chicago and start over anew. I mean, that's the reality. Uh, Steelers get the win over the Raiders. Uh, Steelers, two straight wins. Defense pretty solid. Still not sold on Kenny Pickett and whether he's the answer. Uh, Eagles dominate the Bucks, and Joe Burrow and the Bengals find a way to get past the Rams and get their first victory of the season. Something's not right with Joe Burrow. Maybe it's the calf. Maybe it's the timing. He gets the biggest contract of all time and it isn't panning out uh, in the way that you would have anticipated. Okay, that is all of my reaction to the NFL weekend that was NFL uh, Week 3. I will have my gambling picks for you on Thursday. All of the college football gambling picks are up now on OutKick. I tweeted them out. 15 winners for you. I will break them down for you tomorrow as I always do on Wednesday show, then gambling picks on the NFL for Thursday. Okay, speaking of gambling, I like to look and watch and pay attention to the gambling markets. That is not because they're 100% accurate, but just because what is the gambling market saying? Now, 2022, the gambling markets were wrong, okay, on a lot of close races. Gambling markets said that uh, Republicans would win in Nevada, that Republicans would win in Georgia, and Republicans would win in Pennsylvania. Gambling markets were wrong on all three. 
Gambling markets said Kerry Lake was going to win in Arizona. Gambling markets were wrong. Uh, gambling markets got a lot right, to be fair, right? To be fair, gambling markets did get a lot right, but they got a lot wrong. And I talked about them a lot on 2022. And you say, okay, why did you do that, Clay? It's a good question. Fair question. The answer is because I would rather see opinions that are based on people putting real money down than I would to just kind of randomly talk about what the polls reflect. Um, And so uh, this is important. Donald Trump, for the first time in his political career, is now favored to win the presidency. Let me explain what I mean there. Uh, All of the 2016 campaign, Trump was never favored to beat Hillary Clinton in the gambling markets. Throughout the entirety of 2020, once Trump v. Biden was set, Trump was never the favorite all the way up. He He was a favorite on election night as the election return started to come in Trump was favored to win uh, the election for a very small period as those results came in for about 12 hours, maybe, for probably less, 10 hours, 8 hours, whatever it was. Uh, When it looked like Trump was going to win Wisconsin, before Arizona was called uh, by Fox News for Joe Biden, Trump had become a pretty substantial favorite. Um, Now, now, That didn't end up panning out, but that was not the storyline for all of 2020. Joe Biden was a substantial favorite. Trump becoming the favorite here is a big deal. I think it's partly predicated on an expectation that there may be a third party entering the race. I I, I do think whether it's RFK Jr. as the Libertarian, whether it's Cornell West, whether it's this no no labels group with Joe Manchin and maybe Larry Hogan or whatever it is. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. 2024 election is going to be a mess. Just write that down. Uh, But Trump being favored has got a lot of Democrats nervous. Washington Post has a poll where Trump is up 10. Uh, The Messenger has a poll where Trump is up 5. Best case scenario for Biden at this point is basically that the election is dead even. And that's not good for Biden because he had a pretty substantial lead for most polling in 2020. So we'll see what ends up happening here. Um, What are the outliers? What's the expectations? I am increasingly of the opinion that Joe Biden's mental and physical frailty is such a big story that it's overriding everything else. The Trump indictments, uh, the, the Trump truth social uh, posts, everything is right now, I think, secondary to the fact that 75% of Americans don't think Joe Biden is mentally or physically competent enough to be president of the United States. Which brings me to, I couldn't believe when I woke up this morning and I saw Axios's, I read the Axios morning email. I read everything, by the way. Um, yeah, I talked about this on Clay and Buck, but sometimes people say, okay, how many hours do you prepare to do radio or to do this outkick show? The answer is all of them. And and I'm not trying to be cocky about that. You can't say, oh, I'm only going to prepare for 45 minutes for the radio show. 
I I work all day long to make sure that I'm good on the radio show, to make I'm sure that I'm good on OutKick, to make sure that I've got my facts correct, to make sure that I can make my arguments in a coherent fashion. I have to fill my brain with as much information as possible to try to make sense of the world and make good, intelligent, reasoned, factual arguments for all of you. And I'm not expecting for all of you, by the way, I always say this, to agree with every opinion that I share. But know that you have to spend a lot of time to be able to talk for this many hours every single day. All right, so, like for instance, I'm going to be on Jesse Waters tonight. I don't have any idea what my topic is going to be for Jesse Waters. I know that I'll be 100% prepared to talk about any subject under the sun because I will have already prepped for every story that there could possibly be out there to make sure that I'm ready to go. All right, with that in mind, um, top story Axios. This morning, reading from the opening paragraph, President Biden and his staff are working on an urgent project to protect his reelection bid, a don't trip strategy. When I saw this headline, I read the first, read the first paragraph, I thought to myself, surely that's not a literal don't trip strategy. I thought it was going to be like, hey, don't trip up and say something dumb. Don't trip up and give Trump an opening by doing X, Y, or Z. No, 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 no. It's a literal don't trip strategy. Joe Biden is so mentally deficient, we all know, but he's so physically deficient that here is, a, here is the story. Democrats, including some in the administration, are terrified Biden will have a bad fall with a nightmare scenario as it happening in the weeks before the 2024 election. So what are they doing? Biden is training with a physical therapist to try to walk better. Now look, my dad trains with a physical therapist to try to walk better sometimes. He's got bad arthritis. He's going to be 79 years old next month. He's very similar in age to Joe Biden. My dad could not physically be president of the United States. And I love my dad with every fiber of my being. He even would say, yeah, I, I couldn't be president of the United States now. He could have been president of the United States physically and mentally, I think, in, the, in his 40s, 50s, 60s, like a lot of people could have. At 79, he has to work with a physical therapist to walk better. He's got bad arthritis. I probably, when I am 79, will have to do the same. I'm not belaboring or judging anyone who is that age having to do this. So he's training with a physical therapist. They also are changing his shoes. They are putting him in tennis shoes increasingly because they don't want him to trip, and they think tennis shoes are less likely to make him trip than uh, slick shoes would be, dress shoes. And they no longer are having him walk up the big stairs at Air Force One. You know when the president lands and he walks out and he waves from that top of the Air Force One, this big majestic jumbo jet, and then he comes down that long staircase... And same thing when he leaves, he waves, salutes, climbs all those stairs. They're now having Joe Biden work, walk up a short staircase 
into the belly of Air Force One. He's not even going into the main area that they typically enter the plane because he's not physically well enough to walk up the stairs. Okay, let me... Okay, so he's having physical therapy because he can't walk. They're having to change his shoes because he can't walk. And they're having to change the uh, the staircase for Air Force One because he can't walk. Let me just say this. Sometimes you are so close to something that you lose all perspective. And I used a couple of analogies on Clay and Buck to make this case. I'll use two. I've written now a bunch of books. American Playbook is out right now. When you write a book, eventually you end up so close to the book because you've been working on it for so long that you can no longer see it objectively with fresh eyes. So you may ask someone else to read it for you to tell you what their perspective is because you've seen it so many times that you're having trouble contemplating how it's seen with fresh eyes. Also, and I've told this story before, but I hope it's true of other husbands out there. I've been married for almost 20 years. Every now and then I'll be at a bookstore or I'll be at a grocery store or I'll be at a movie theater and I'll be there with my wife. I might be there with our kids too and we will separate and go different directions. Maybe she goes to get the milk and I go get potato chips. Maybe she's shopping in one store. I don't even go to the mall hardly. Maybe I should say Costco. Maybe she's going to get, you know, like, I don't know, the shrimp. And uh, I'm standing around looking at all the flat screen televisions because for, you know, some reason I love walking into Costco and just standing jaw agape in front of the flat screen televisions. Or maybe I'm looking at the book section in Costco or whatever. And you unexpectedly see your wife. And for a moment, you think, oh, who is that pretty girl? Or, oh, that's a pretty girl. Most guys are constantly aware of attractive women in their presence, if you're a heterosexual guy. And, you know, we'd be like, oh, that's a pretty girl. Oh, that's a good-looking girl. Like, if you can't turn off your biological instinct to notice attractive women in your vicinity, okay? Every guy does this. If you're watching this right now and you turn to your husband or your boyfriend, you're like, do you notice when there's pretty girls somewhere else? And he's like, no, no, Clay just made that up. He's lying to you. He 100% knows every pretty girl around him. One of my buddies used to say, uh, and it's funny, he would say, every time I get on like a crowded elevator, and this is my buddy, he was like, I think about which girl would I sleep with if I had to repopulate the entire earth. Um, it's really funny. That's the way that lots of guys think. All right. If they say they don't, they're probably lying to you or maybe they're not straight. Uh, it's probably your fear. All right. So you come around the corner and you will see your wife. Maybe it's your girlfriend as if you didn't expect to see her. And I sometimes I'll think often when that happens, it doesn't happen all the time. Who's that pretty girl? And then I'll think, oh, that's my wife. I'm married to her. You see your spouse, and I don't know if girls do this. I don't know if, if this happens when you're with your husband, if you see him out or anything. I, I don't know. But I'm not very good looking, so I don't know that it ever happens to my wife. But you see your wife, and you think, oh, who's this pretty girl? You're seeing her for 
an unexpected time as opposed to being in the house where you might take it for granted, right? Does that make sense? You're seeing something anew, seeing someone in a way that you would not anticipate. You are objectively viewing something that you are subjectively usually very involved in. Could be a book, could be a relationship. If you're a Democrat right now and you are changing Joe Biden's shoes and you are uh, making the decision to put him on a new staircase to climb into Air Force One and you're having physical therapy with him so he can walk, you're not seeing objectively the big picture because you are so subjectively involved in the presidency and it's screaming to the rest of the country, this guy can't do the job. And I'm not saying this as a Democrat, as a Republican, as an independent. I'm saying you are so committed to your guy that you can't see the objective reality staring you in the face that everyone else is seeing. He can't mentally, we know, but I'm just talking about physically right now, do the job. You are so subjectively committed to fighting for him that your myopic vision is not allowing you to see what everyone else in the whole country is seeing. He can't be the guy. And I think that's why the betting markets are swinging in such a fashion because they recognize this isn't going to work. Biden is going to lose. Every other aspect of this doesn't matter because people have decided that he physically and mentally can't do the job. Now, I don't know how it's going to happen. If it's Trump v. Biden, it might be because a lot of people just don't show up and vote. It might be because there's a third party, but it might be the lead story here for Axios. I've said there's three ways Biden loses. It might just be that he does something that is so bad. He talks to a dead person. He has a Mitch McConnell-like freezing in the spotlight moment that everybody out there finally says, oh my goodness, this guy can't do the job. I'm telling you, all the evidence is there. If you're worried about his shoes and you're worried about his physical therapy and you're worried about the stairs, let me give you a newsflash. It ain't the shoes. It ain't the stairs. It ain't the physical therapy. It's that your guy can't physically do the job. And that's where we are. Um, college football ratings are soaring. Uh, and I think this is an early read, right? Most watched, I talked about this yesterday, Notre Dame uh, against Ohio State. Most watched NBC Notre Dame game since 1993. And I flagged this because also a ton of people, a ton of people watched the uh, Colorado and Oregon game. In fact, it was the most watched of the day, even though Oregon won 42-6 to in a blowout, and it was 35-0 at halftime. My guy Mike Mulvihill says that college football ratings are up 14% overall. Mike Mulvihill, one of the smartest guys in all of Fox Sports. He is the brains behind the idea to have big noon kickoff at all, which has been a home run uh, for all of Fox and has also helped to slot games, big games, all day long. You notice that now? That's all Mike Mulvihill. Awesome dude, super smart. But he said, wait a minute. 
why is like all of the top college football games being played late at night where you sit around all day and then the games all get played late at night and obviously you had the 3.30 Eastern CBS SEC kickoff. Um, but he said, should be going on all day. NFL takes advantage of the 1 o'clock, uh, the noon, uh, the, the 1 o'clock Eastern, but it, noon Eastern is actually a really desirable time frame. And so all day long now we have spectacular games. That's Mike Mulvihill. Now, uh, conflict. You got... Ryan Day mad at Lou Holtz. 86-year-old Lou Holtz said basically Ohio State's not physically tough enough, and Ryan Day was offended. And then you got Dan Lanning, who's offended by all the attention and the trash talk that came from Colorado, and they put out their videos. This is all great for college football. People love conflict. A story without conflict isn't a story. Without a protagonist and an antagonist, there is no interest. Okay, so, however, some of these stupid takes that I see from sports media, Skip Bayless came out and said that basically people want to beat Deion Sanders in Colorado because of racism. Stop. Dan Lanning responded to this. This is a stupid, idiotic take that, frankly, it feels desperate. Every college football coach in America wants to obliterate the team on the other sideline. That's even more the case when it's a top 25 matchup and there's a national televised audience. They're always selling. They're always branding their team. Dan Lanning, I don't know him personally. Do you really think that super racists end up college football head coaches? This is just a, a dumb take on its face. What do you want to do for a living if you're super racist? Coach young black athletes all day long, every day. Recruit young black athletes all day long, every day. And look, I understand there's also uh, white athletes being recruited, Hispanic athletes being recruited, Asian athletes being recruited. Let's be honest. What is it, 70% of college football Scholarship athletes, probably 70% are black, maybe higher, might be 80% in major college football. Does that seem like a job that a racist would want? It is fundamentally insanely dumb to make that argument. It's like you don't even understand what the job is. You have to recruit all day long. You have to go travel all over the country and walk into a lot of black living rooms and talk to a lot of black moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and help to persuade them that you will do the best job of getting their kid to the best level of his performance, both in college and potentially the pros. Do you think that there's a lot of racists out there who say, you know what I want to do? I want to help ensure that these young black men graduate from college and become multimillionaires. This is so dumb. And, and this is where I get really fired up on the divisiveness of sports media because there is a segment of the population that wants to use identity politics and argue it uh, all the time. And I am, I mean, read this book. I spend a huge part of my time talking about how important it is to reject identity politics. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, black, white, whatever you want to say. People come together for sports. It cuts across identity politics lines. 
when your team scores a winning touchdown, you don't think about the politics of the guy that you're high-fiving. You don't think about uh, the politics of uh, the girl that you're high-fiving. You're all united in a tribe trying to beat the other tribe. It's actually super healthy. The neurosurgeon and the janitor in a hospital can sit down at a table together and talk about why the Chicago Bears suck or why the Denver Broncos gave up 70 points or why Tua is so incredible so far this year for the Dolphins. Everybody's opinion is equal in sports. It's what's great about it. And the person who watches more sports and has better stats and better facts makes the better argument and they're given more respect regardless of background. And if you played, you've given more respect than somebody like me who just writes and talks about sports and never was able to play at an elite level. And if you say, I don't care what Clay Travis's opinion because of that, I understand it. I respect it. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I never have claimed to be. But to claim that this is because of racism, that Oregon wanted to crush Deion Sanders' Colorado team, is so dumb. The head coach of Colorado State happens to be black. I didn't even know this. He wanted to crush Deion Sanders' team. It didn't have anything to do with race. It had to do with the color of his school's tribal colors compared to the other school's tribal colors. If you're an Alabama fan, you want to crush Auburn. It doesn't matter whether the coach is white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight. Remember the never grad? This is one thing that ESPN got right. The never graduate commercials that they used to run where like people would try to trip other uh, individuals who were fans of different teams in a kind of comedic fashion. That's why college football is so popular. Now, if you want to have an argument that NIL is going to make college football less popular or you want to have an argument that the transfer portal is bad for college football, those are real arguments we can have. But to argue that people want to beat Dion because he's black is stupid. It's actually an insult to Dion. It's an insult to Dan Lanning. It's an insult to any college football fan out there. It's not about race. It's about the color of your team's colors compared to the color of the other team's colors. And it cuts across racial, sexual, uh, all of these political lines. There is a common humanity in sports fandom that is absent in many other parts of American life. And when I hear stupid arguments like Skip Bayless's, frankly, it's just an insult and it feels desperate. Uh, to try to come up with a take that is completely without merit, in my always humble opinion. But college football ratings are soaring. All right. Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey. Everybody's talking about it. Travis Kelsey's jersey sales went up 400% because the Swifties are all rolling in. People have been saying, Clay Travis, you're one of the greatest relationship advice givers in the history of mankind. No one's actually said that, but in my mind, I think that I am. How would you assess Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey? And I said to myself, it's a bad move for Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey is wildly outkicking his coverage here. He's a 33-year-old tight end, very talented tight end, but a 33-year-old tight end. 
He's not very good looking. I don't even think he's the best. I don't even think he's the best looking tight end on the Kansas City Chiefs. If I had a daughter and I was giving her advice on who to date, I would not advise her to date to, uh, Travis Kelsey. Taylor Swift is making a poor choice here. Travis Kelsey's making a great choice. Taylor Swift's going to be a multi-billionaire. She probably already is. She may become the richest musician of all time. I can understand why she is attractive as a dating partner. I don't understand why Travis Kelsey is at all. And if I had a daughter, and look, the reality is I don't have a daughter. I'd like to have had a daughter. But I only produce Y sperm. I only produce male heirs. I had three kids, all three of them boys. If I had had six kids, I think they all would have been boys. If I had had 60 kids, I think they all would have had boys. I think if they tested my sperm, they would find out that I only produce Y sperm. Like if you're out there right now and you're like, I wish I had had a son, I think if I was with your wife, she would have had a son. I am the Y sperm. Dr. Fauci said, I am the science, I am the wise sperm. By the way, I'm having fun here. It's going to be, somebody's going to write this as a headline. Clay Travis, I only produce wise sperm. It's impossible for me to have a daughter. Be a funny headline. Um, so I don't have a daughter. If Taylor Swift is my daughter, I would sit down with her. I would say, you're a billionaire. You are super talented in writing songs. You're going to write a breakup song about Travis Kelsey, and it may well do well. But at some point, do you want to get married or not? If you want to get married, and if the purpose of dating is to get married, you are wasting your time with Travis Kelsey. He is a dime a dozen. He's not that good looking. His career is almost over. You can do better, even if you want to date a tight end in the NFL. I don't know how many of them are single. A lot of them are better looking than Travis Kelsey. And... They're younger. They're going to be in the league for longer. In three years, Travis Kelsey is going to be done in the NFL. What's he going to be doing? WWE wrestling? Taylor Swift want to date a WWE wrestler? Unless you think Travis Kelsey is the next rock. Maybe he is. It's a bad match for Taylor Swift. All the Swifties are mad at me. Like, I can't even check my mentions right now. All these Taylor Swift fans are just bombarding me. We got... Complaint. We got we had a five hundred thousand view uh, TikTok. I don't even know how it works. And we got a uh, the, the Swifties were mad because I I uh, denigrated the relationship in a TikTok video, and they got it pulled off TikTok. This is not going to be a successful relationship, and I say this humbly as the greatest relationship advisor on the planet, as a man who only produces Y sperm and can only have sons, Taylor. If you were my daughter, this is a bad relationship choice. Now, it's brilliant for the NFL. If I were Roger Goodell and I'm sitting there and I was like, what fan base could we cross-pollinate with the NFL to create even larger and more extensive knowledge in the NFL? I would have said Taylor Swift. Because what do you think? 20% of Taylor Swift's fan base also NFL fans, it's probably fair, right? There's not a big overlap. Two huge fan bases, and now they're brought together. I'm not sure there's any person in America that you could point to 
and expand the NFL audience better than by trying to get the Taylor Swift fan base all fired up. So it's brilliant cross-pollination, cross-marketing. Also good for Taylor Swift because I think there's tons of NFL fans that don't really know Taylor Swift. And I say this, by the way, the Swifties are all mad at me. I bought tickets to Taylor Swift's last concert. I bought like third row seats. I took my wife. It wasn't me solo or me with another dude. That would be weird. I took my wife and we sat like third row when she performed at Bridgestone Arena. It was maybe six or seven years ago. I don't remember. My wife makes fun of me because I like Taylor Swift songs. I'm not going to lie. I think she's like got a lot of catchy tunes. That's why as the greatest relationship advice expert on the planet, and also simultaneously a man who doesn't even produce X sperm, I couldn't even have a daughter if I wanted to. I am telling you, bad decision. You can do better, Taylor. Take it from me. I am an expert on everything. Uh, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, this has been Outkick the Show. We covered a lot of ground, as we always do. I love all of you. And I hope you have fantastic Tuesdays. Reminder, if I didn't say it already, live debate reaction show tomorrow. As soon as the debate is over, I will come to you and break down exactly what happened in the second Republican primary debate. It should be a lot of fun. I will see you also for a normal show tomorrow to talk sports gambling. This has been Outkick the Show. As we always say, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.